and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. This is Thomas Magby, joined as always by Graham Donaldson. Hey, friends. <laughs> AJ Hannenberg raised his hand as I said Graham Donaldson. And AJ Hannenberg. Hey, that's hey. this guy. Yep. AJ is currently that's asking me. for a high five, which was not given. Not, not, wait, did you actually ask for a high five for me? No. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to refuse. I'm not giving you a high five. Good. Podcast listeners, that was a high five you just heard. Magic of radio. In the background. (laughs) This has been an entirely physical gag that no one could see. Well, podcast, this is episode number 23. Oh, I don't know, man. Yeah, so 21 was friendship. Mm -hmm. And then 22 was that one we just finished. Classical rhetorical form. Yeah, so and this will be episode 23, and we still are doing trying to do physical gags on a podcast, so we'll get there eventually, maybe by episode 24. All right, today's episode is going to be led by Graham Donaldson. Graham, what, what, what do you have? Hey, friends. So today, since you clicked on the link, you know that we are talking about the theology of Milton. And this is a little lecture, or this is a little um, thing that I do before we read Paradise Lost in our 10th grade English class. Um, I think for one or two years, I tried to... There's all these sort of theological principles that are very helpful to understand if you're going to read Milton. Um, And I tried in the first couple years of teaching the book to kind of point them out as they came up throughout the book. Um, But then they kind of got scattered or um, uh, maybe I would miss something or just in the overall conversation of class, I may not come to a theological principle that I really wanted to hammer later on. So I real and then Milton is just a really difficult read. I decided a couple years ago that I would actually put together a list of the first go around was ten theological principles that you needed to know, or that were really helpful beforehand to really get into Milton. And as the years have gone on, uh, and, and sort of in classes, students have pointed things out that have resonated and really amplified other things. It's come to fourteen principles oh, wow. that I have now. And some are real short. So you're just cooking up theology? Yeah, just seriously. Oh, well, this is there too. Um, and uh, no, it's just more that it's... D- well, it turns out God's a dinosaur. <laughs> 14 <laughs> principles. Are you reading my notes? That's principle 12. So, no. Um, but uh, so a lot of these... So what started this was a fantastic book by C.S. Lewis called An Introduction to Paradise Lost. Oh, it's stinking good. Even if you haven't read Paradise Lost, it's pretty good. Can I just out myself immediately? Yeah. I, have, I have not read that book. I have not read Paradise Lost. Uh... So Paradise Lost is Bible fan fiction. Okay, is great. what it is. So <laughs> yeah. it is a retelling or just an amplification of the story of the fall of Satan and then the fall of mankind. Didn't he write it when he was blind? Milton wrote it when he was blind. He So Homer was, and Milton. And Homer, yeah. Homer and bros. Milton. <laughs> so <laughs> Milton was really involved in Republican politics in England. Um, does that term mean the same thing it does? It means that he, so he was is not it? so much a monarchist. As he, um, is it, that was the the alternative is monarchist or republican. Yeah, oh. and I don't really know. We've lots come a long about... way from <laughs> <laughs> my, my knowledge of British politics is is I'm I'm making a it's small sign with my hand. It's you not are helping. making. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I don't know a whole lot about Milton's life. All I know is that uh, he was a little bit of on the outs with the political with with the monarchy, and it and it cost him. Um, his like wealth and a lot of his land and he kind of didn't have a nervous breakdown but he was in poor health and went blind and during this sort of period of exile and blindness he penned Paradise Lost also Paradise Regained which I've never read and other of his works and so this mythos is kind of built up around him this mythology of like the blind poet um, sort of just like Homer just like Homer giving out these these, you know lines of poetry from the gods so to speak Um, but 
Uh, so Milton is writing the poem of Satan's fall and mankind's fall. And as Milton says in his first book, in the first 48 lines, he is trying to justify the ways of God to man. Hmm. So this oh, is Milton's- boy, it's a rough read. Yeah. Like I've, is it? Oh, I've read it and it is, he makes, he is a smart fella. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He makes a lot of references that are tough to track if you don't have a good background. Yeah, in, there's a lot the of classics. references, a lot of um, digressions. You, yeah, do not start with Milton if you're just jumping into the classics. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, you're going to hate it. You're, you're not going to hate it. It's just, it's, it's a, you're not going to finish it, right? It's just a hard read. Yeah. You got to, you got to start elsewhere because he makes so many references that you have to have some, mm-hmm. some other stuff under your belt before you jump in. That's why, I, so you all read it in, so there's a great books group with mm-hmm. the, the parents that read it and you all read it a few years ago. Is it, yeah, but it, it was that long? after Iliad, Odyssey. Kind of built up to it. Yeah, we, we worked our way up mm-hmm, to it. Yeah. And then I read C.S. Lewis's intro and like walked him through. And even then it was, it's tough. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So Milton's tough. We don't read all of it in 10th grade. We oh. read kind of just the big the big parts, pretty much all of book one through four, and then a uh, little bit, and then pretty much book nine through 12, which is the fall. Have and you I'll, included Abdiel yet? I haven't. Oh I'm not going to be able to do it this year because of time. Abdiel he's is He's in a, the middle part? Is he's that, in the middle part. He's okay. an angel that refuses to fall with Satan. And uh, him and Satan get into a, like a, a fight. It's when and Satan gathers all of his troops together and he's like, hey, guys, I don't know who this new Jesus character is, but I should be in charge. And then all the all the demons are like, yeah, good. that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and, and Abdiel stands up and he's, he's only a lowly foot soldier. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be able to challenge archangels. And he's like, um... This is a bad idea, <laughs> and you are probably going to be struck by lightning, so I'm going to leave now. And everyone kind of mocks him as he leaves. Mm-hmm. Sort of hisses and boos at him as he walks through the crowd. Yeah, and then he, 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 thinks, le- he leaves the fallen he angels. Leaves the- he leaves the fallen angels, and he's, he's like, i got to take the message yeah. that these guys are going to rebel to Jesus. Yeah. So he, he starts walking back, and when he finally gets back, they're all arrayed for battle. He's like, oh, you guys, uh, you already knew, huh? And, and was like, Jesus yeah. says, I'm God. <laughs> and he goes, oh, right, got it. Well, okay. And then he just sort of like finds his place in line. And then when they meet the demons, Satan is there and he's beautiful and he's regal and he's got this, like, he's, I think he's on a horse and he's got all this beautiful armor and he's just like the picture of beauty and power. And Abdiel walks up and he's like, hey, remember that time that you guys like mocked me and stuff? Well, now this is happening. And he smacks him on the head with a club. Yeah. And a, a foot soldier should not, not be like to. not should have done anything to him. And yeah. Satan does one of those anime slide backs <laughs> where he's hit so hard, he like skids backwards. And he and goes, a big old trench in the ground. Really? Yeah. yeah. Abdiel that. hits him good. And then he goes, uh-huh, and like cringes and all of the demons are like, Ooh, oh, no. uh-oh. They have to take Satan to the tent. And revive him with wine. Wow! And then he comes back later and fights. But all because Abdiel yeah. clonked him so yeah. hard. So Abdiel is like, he's my boy. So it's a great, it's a great read. I have the kids read it at home if they're interested, just uh, for sake of time. Or we don't, we don't get into that. But anyway, so theological principles of Milton. This is stuff that I give the students um, because it's a little bit of of Milton's world. And I would say that the majority of this would be considered orthodox. Like the majority of this, I think, is okay theology for not just Bible fan fiction, but there's there's truth to it for, um, for for Christian orthodoxy. Milton sort of toes the line with some heresies that I think are probably um, just the fact of having of writing a book where you have God as a speaking right. character. Yeah. You're always going to come up with real difficulties with like foreknowledge and that kind of thing. He nibbles. 
He, he, he does like little tasters yeah. of Harris. But Harris. I mean, and some students pick up on it, but it's not a big deal. And if you really, really get into Milton, you can look into like, was he an Aryan and think mm. Jesus was a created being and all this kind of stuff. But for just 10th grade, we don't really worry about any of that kind of thing. And so these are the principles that they need in order uh, that I give them so they can kind of make heads and tails of the story. So the first thing they need to learn, the first theological principle that is that according to Milton, all creation is good. Matter and created things are good. There is nothing that God made that ha- that is purely evil. So all, all things have a goodness to them. Um, trees are good. Dogs are good. Your, our bodies are good. Human beings, materi- the, thing, the material substance of our life um, is a good thing. And so this would go against an idea that um, some maybe some sort of Gnostic idea or the belief that like our souls are trapped in a lower plane of the physical world mm, and we need to escape. Bad, yeah, and, and we need to escape to the heavenly realms of spirituality or whatever. Find but, enlightenment. Yeah, mm-hmm. would, yeah, and that higher realm is better than this earthly one. He, exactly. would, he would disagree with. He that. would disagree with that. So human beings, our our physical bodies are good. Um, when Jesus becomes man and he is incarnate, he is put into meat, which is what that word means, um, incarnate. Um, he is Wait, like carne asada. Yeah, he is put in meat. He is put what? into flesh. Are you in, incarnation means incarnate. In meat. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. He okay. is meated. Oh, that's awesome. Um, he is so put in flesh. When He's they talk about flesh. incarnational ministry, yeah. that's like a barbecue. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes yep. it is. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> or as you say in Texas, a grill out, mm-hmm. right? A grill out? What do they call that? A barbecue. No, 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 barbecue is, barbecue is the food you cookout. eat at a cookout. Gr- uh, a grill? A grill is like for hamburgers. A barbecue is like barbecue. something where you've brisketed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brisketed. That's the verb mm-hmm. we use. Yep. Anyway, it took me a while to get used to it coming down to Texas. I would, I would invite people over for barbecues, and they expect sausage and brisket. And they, 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 they get dogs like, and hamburgers. <laughs> what is upset. this? Anyway, so all creation is good. Um, and so when Jesus becomes man, he is not doing something wrong or sinful, or he is not... Um, it, there's, not there's nothing... Um, He's not dirtying himself. ...inferior about... about um, material. So um, when God makes things out of matter, um, those things are good. And so the sort of uh, that means that anything that exists, including Satan, there is nothing yeah. fully evil. So there is um, there is um, anything that is evil is is uh, has some goodness in it. So the second theological principle is that sin in this world. Anything considered sinful is just good that has been twisted. So there's nothing 100% evil. We don't live in a duality universe where Some things are there's good. like pure good, which has, you know, a strength stat of 12. And there's pure <laughs> evil, which has a strength stat of 9. And good is just always going to eke out a win over evil. It's, it's not that way at all. Um, the universe is such that uh, anything that is what we would call sin is just good that has been subtly manipulated or twisted in some way or has been deviated from its intended purpose. Was there – what, what theologian did this come from? Was it Augustine? This was, that was an Augustine Yeah, because C.S. Lewis says the same thing in – what is it? The, the screw tape letters, mm-hmm. right? Screw tape is like we can't invent our own evils. Yeah. There is no, there's no thing that we have cooked up down here. All we can take is what he has made yeah. and kind of screw with screw it. Screw with it. Make it worse. Yeah. So there's – so anything that is bad is just a twisted good, um, which means that everything has a little bit of good in it. So you, when you see the character of Satan or any of the fallen angels – you can kind of look past the, the badness of him, and you can see inside him things that are attractive and good. Um, 
uh, it's like Vader. I can see goodness in you, right? Like there's, there's, there's a little bit, so there's an attraction to Satan and you can see that there are things about Satan that are, um, well, originally, because he was good, originally, he was originally the best. Yeah. He was the first created angel and he was glorious and majestic and, and, and sort of aspirational, right? Like mm. angel goals was Satan. He was, he was, or he was Lucifer at that point. <laughs> angel goals? Angel goals. Hashtag. <laughs> um, he was what you wanted to be. He yeah. was, he was the first created glorious thing. It was Lucifer, the, you know, uh, luminescence, that kind of thing. So we don't live in a universe of duality. We live in a universe that's rebelling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, evil is a rebellion against either your nature, which was created good, or it is a twisting of good. And as, and human beings were born into that twisted good. So, um, so this is a big, a big uh, theme that um, there is a certain amount of work that the human soul can do that can untwist the, 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 the sort of the fallenness. You can never fully undo it. But there is progress that you can make, excuse me, in, un, in untwisting this, the, the evil that has taken hold in your hearts. And there's also this sort of the sense that Satan could also um, morally improve himself because event, at some point he was a perfectly created being. Um, but he's uh, but he's all confused and he's and he's all sort of um, um, wrapped himself up in, in his own self. And so he's you- twisted. You're saying there's possibility for him to um, untwist, to uh, I mean, turn from that, to not be... Not to the oh. point where he would be perfect again, but there is, there's sort of progress that you can make. Well, I'll talk more about that when we get further down to yep. the nature of Adam and Eve. Um, so because uh, sin is just twisted good, the third theological principle is that good can exist on its own. Good does not need anything, but evil needs good to exist. Um, so there could be no universe that was purely evil, but there can, according to Milton, be a universe that is purely good. And this is something that a lot of students have trouble with because they're like, well, how can it be good if there's no evil to show you that it's good? And that's a fair argument. Um, but like saying, how do you know it's cold if you've never known hot before? Exactly. Um, but the idea is, yeah. is, is that because all created things are good, um, a perfectly good universe would just be a, a the universe is the way that God intended it to be. Yeah. Um, but evil needs that thing to feed on. It needs a good mm. to twist to exist. Um, so Augustine talks about how good oh. is, uh, sorry, how evil is kind of like a lack or a hole. If you dig a hole in a road, that absence, that that lack of road, you would call the sin of the road. Like it's this, it's just sort of this 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 um, this lack. Um, and that Milton really uses that um, that that evil needs good to exist. So as Satan continues on his path of being this evil fallen angel, um, he says, all right, I'm never going to be good again. Farewell to good. Evil be evil thou. be thou my good. Evil Such a good be line. thou my good. Mm. And he sort of, him and his angels realize that the only thing that they can do in life and the rest of existence is just like mess up God's creation. So they can't go and make their own hell or they can't go and make their own heaven or do anything. All that they can really do is if God's going to do something good, they, can, they are going to go and like break it or burn it or mess it up. Um, and then if God takes what they've broken, burned and messed up and made that good, they're going to come back and wreck it again. And that's the only sort of thing that they can do. Does that happen during the demon council? Is that kind of where they figure that out? Mm-hmm. A little bit. So there's this council in book two where the demons are trying to figure out what they should do next. and Because these... the book one is them, they plop onto the burning fire after being tossed out from heaven and they're mm-hmm. like, oh no. Uh, <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah. What's the plan, boys? Yeah. And they, they build a castle called Pandemonium, mm-hmm. which is actually where that word comes from. Mm-hmm. He, he, he invented that word? 
I, I think, think so. That's cool. Is Pandemonium in uh, Dante? No, they don't call the, I don't the city think of hell so. Pandemonium. No, the oh. city of hell was uh, Dis. Oh, that's yeah. right. Pandemonium was Don- was mm-hmm. a Milton, I think. So that's their council. They uh, so they set up a republican form of government in hell, where <laughs> Satan is the head of that government. But it's is a he, sham. Is it's, he elected or is it? Yes, he well, says he's their he is. General. Oh. He says he's elected, but he's also like. I'm clearly the best of us, so I should be in charge. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, well, you're just sort of in charge, so okay. Um, so it's kind of this sham democracy. Um, they all say they, they, they're they told that they get a voice into what happens. But in reality, Satan is just back-channeling to get what he wants. Yeah. Um, all the while telling them that God is, is a jerk for blatantly using his power and, like, flouting his majesty. Satan is doing, doing it, it, but it secretly worse. and doing it worse. Anyway, okay. so... Um, yeah, so they realize that they can never really make, they can't never get out of God's sphere of interest or sphere of existence because he made everything. So all they can do to survive, all they can do to act is just to constantly basically like do things that they think ticks God off. Is there, is there any kind of like despair? Like what's, they yes. come to this, they come to this realization and, and then they say, Okay, like as it goes on, we don't really know what happens to the demons when Satan leaves to go to Earth. Uh, the demons, Milton says that the demons, um, they start doing all these activities, and Milton's very clear that they're doing these activities to distract themselves from the despair of being fallen wow. beings. And the activities they do are they set up an Olympic Games, stop it, and they fight each other. The second bit of activities are they sit around and write songs. <laughs> A, about their own glory, and B, these sad songs about how they've fallen. So they sing like, <laughs> it's basically like sad breakup songs about heaven. It was like, we it's were like emo. once glorious yeah. beings. Yeah. yeah. And I can they, only think about you. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they sing these sad songs. Um, they go on adventure road trips to like uh, explore hell to see if there's any way that they can make their lives better. But they kind of deep down know they're not going to find anything. Yeah. But they go on these trips. And then the fourth thing that they do is they sit around and they have philosophical conversations about virtue <laughs> and the good life. That's terrifying. And um and how they should live. But sounds like but they're just distracted themselves. It, yeah, the students but, love that and they think it's hilarious because it sounds like the student lounge. But is it that they can't do anything with that knowledge? Yeah, or? I can even no. get you the passage here just one because we just taught it in class. And at the council, they all sort of react to this new reality in in the ways that someone would react when they've just lost everything. Mm-hmm. Either they one guy's like, "We should fight against it because we got nothing more to lose." Another mm-hmm. one's like, "Oh, we should not make him mad because it could get way worse." Mm-hmm. Another one's like, "What we should do is just uh, just like really hunger down right here and build <laughs> make make something of this because I mean, eventually the fire won't hurt that bad, right?" Like, we'll get used to it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh. Sad. And then yeah. the last one is, no, we should just go wreck God's stuff. Mm. And that's the, the argument. That's when the wind's out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's what they talk about, where they sit around and they just have philosophical, philosophical conversations. Others, sat, uh, others apart sat on a hill retired, in thoughts more elevate, and reasoned high of providence, foreknowledge, will, and fate, fixed fate, free will, foreknowledge absolute, and found no end in wandering mazes lost. Of good and evil, much they argued then, of happiness and final misery, passion and apathy and glory and shame, vain wisdom all, and false philosophy. Yet with a pleasing sorcery could charm pain for a while or anguish, and excite fallacious hope, or arm the obdured breast with stubborn patience as with triple steel. Mm. So they're basically like having 
a book club to talk about <laughs> things, but they're distracting themselves from the central core problem, which is we are not right with God. Yep. And students, I always every year find that convic- sort of a convicting passage. Isn't that kind of the same thing uh, in a great divorce? Was, you guys have read that. There's a yeah. professor on the yeah. bus, and, and he sets a, up a theology class yeah, in hell. They're taking a road trip to heaven from hell, and the guy's like, "Yeah, I'm just trying to get a theo- like a real good academic theology group together." And the guy's like, "Uh." <laughs> We're in, what's the point? And he's like, I just want to do some actual ac- academy down here. Like, if we could get some real discourse going, and mm-hmm. it's really tragic. Yeah, yeah but then he, he eventually won't actually uh, change his life. He won't mm-hmm. actually uh, do anything about that. And, and all of those things are just distractions. Yeah. Games, music, uh, talking, and road trips are just distracting you from the point, which is you. your soul is busted and mm. far from God. But they can, but as Milton says, they can use it as like steel against the anguish. Yeah. Satan can't. Satan, as it goes on, he, he's filled with despair, and he's got mm. a big famous passage in book four where he says that every, wherever he goes, hell is with him inside. Um, but he's still just, he cannot bring himself to not love himself mm. and, and obey God. <laughs> wow. And he, yeah. he even cooks up arguments. Like, he, he knows he was a created being, but he's like, who ever really knows where they came from? He's That's like, right. how do I know I was created? Maybe I grew out of the ground. So his best argument yeah. is... <laughs> Comparing himself to a vegetable. <laughs> yeah, I kid you not. He goes from like being this be- beautiful, glorious, created thing to being like, I could be like a cucumber. <laughs> you don't know. And AJ, without even realizing, you're talking about that theological principle number nine. But we'll get there because we're on four. Let's okay. go. Four, let's, and let's five are, okay. four and five are real quick. Um, God <laughs> foreknew that the fall was would happen. Um, God, it's not a surprise. Um, it didn't trick God. Um, and then in this class, this is where we have to, I have to talk to the students a little bit about how God is outside time and all of creation is like the eternal present. So whereas we are in time and I can think about what I did yesterday and remember and I can uh, experience what I'm doing now and I can only guess at what's happening tomorrow, there is no remembering with God because God is eternally watching the act happen. It's all happening. It's all happening. He's so, got it on TiVo. That's right. So... <laughs> Christ is eternally on the cross from God's point of view. Christ is eternally being raised. Moses is eternally standing there parting the Red Sea. AJ is eternally podcasting, Um, right? So these moments, um, um, as soon as God created the heavens and the earth, all of time and history was there, done, finished in front of him. But for us, we perceive it as passing. So for the students, um, that's a little bit of a tricky concept. Shoot, for everybody, that's a tricky concept. Um, But so when it says God foreknew, it's not that, God is in time and he knows what's going to happen and he just lets it. It's more like God is watching events happening all the time. And um, and this kind of, C.S. Lewis in that, in that book kind of says that this is helpful to think about in terms of influence mm-hmm. because um, um, we can't, like if you are watching something happen, like if someone is making a decision to eat a hamburger and it's and you're like, that's a bad deal, hamburger, your heart can't take it anymore, don't eat, don't eat fatty foods or whatever. Um, um, the very act of you, when you were eating the hamburger, I don't have like influence to stop you in it. Um, but I, And so C.S. Lewis kind of says that God's kind of just, he is um, sort of eternally observing. And I, I, don't, even, I don't want to get into the, the, the problem. It gets of, real complicated gets real when complicated. you jump outside anyway, of time. So, and then the fifth one is Satan fell because of pride. Pride is his central sin. He was the best creature, and he just wanted to be, as he says, one step higher. He just wants that. He wants God's throne. And he thinks either he 
either he um, mistakenly thinks he can actually take it through power or he knows he can't do it, but he just can't shake the feeling like he should be there. Mm. But he knows that he can't be a being out of time. And he doesn't like being ruled. Yeah. Right. When Jesus mm-hmm. is on the scene, he's like, I don't like I don't like submitting to this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, number six is that um, the creation of the earth is a bit of a crescendo in terms of the creatures that are being made. So it's not that they get better in terms of quality, but they go from sort of lower lower bits of creation to higher bits of creation. So you start with light and dark, and then you start with water and land, and then you continue on to beasts under the land, and then you've got plants, and then birds, and then animals, and then man. You have this sort of, um, this ample, the creation is kind of ramping up, and then the last thing that's created is man, and even the last thing that's created in mankind is Ooh, woman. woman. Eve. Yeah. That's right. So Eve, for Milton, she is very much this capstone of creation. So it is the female um, that has this sort of place of beauty. Um, Adam's, Adam's beautiful, but there's something about Eve that captures beauty in a different way. And we'll talk about their natures in a second. But so Eve is technically the last thing that God has ever made. And in Satan's mind, that means that she is the worst thing ever made because he was first and Eve is last. And this is why he goes after Eve in the garden because he thinks she's going to be the worst. Mm. And so he thinks that she's easy, low-hanging fruit that he can manipulate. But Low-hanging fruit. Hey. Uh I see what you did there. Um, (laughs) But in terms of God's point of view in creation, Eve is kind of this this capstone. And... um, so that, that's number number six, which brings us to seven, which is always a really interesting one for students, and that's there are competing views of hierarchy in, in Paradise Lost. Mm. So there's a heavenly view of hierarchy, and then there's this hellish view of hierarchy. So I'm going to start with the hellish view because we know that one very well. Um, as far as Satan is concerned, um, there is a strict, rigid hierarchy to God's creation. God's kind of like the powerful king on the hill, and then Satan is someone that just has like a couple of points lower of stats than God, and then below him <laughs> he's he's a few levels lower. That's right. And then below him there's you know Michael who just has a couple of lower stats, and then as you go down, don't him and Michael fight at some point? They do fight. Yeah. And Michael pretty, does it. Go Michael smokes him good, right? Yeah, this, he smokes him good because when Satan falls, um, he begins to devolve. And like a like a candle, he sort of fizzles. Yeah. And we'll get there. But so Satan has this rigid caste system view of the universe that God's kind of king of the hill and everything below it is somehow subject to God. And in, there, in a way, you can kind of understand where he's coming from because God is the center of the universe that everything revolves around. Um, but in Satan's view, the farther and the lower you get from God, the sort of the worse that you are. So be, when he's in hell, the farthest you can get from God, it just drives him crazy because he thinks that he is now, like, the worst and the lowest, and he's just ticked. Um, So heavenly power, sorry, hellish power for Satan is power, is is like force and strength. That there's a strong view of better and worse, and Satan thinks that he can climb the ladder, and being better is better, and being worse is worse. And this is something we're very familiar with in our world. But the actual way the universe exists is not with that. There is a hierarchy in where God is – well, it's not even so much a hierarchy. It's that there's God and then there's creation. And 
in creation, um, there is harmony in creation. You are a happy created being if you kind of if you submit to the way if you submit to your nature. If you exist in the way that you were made and meant to exist, there is harmony and you will be happy. And if you deviate away from the way that you were made and the way that you exist, there's going to be discord and there's going to be misery. So it's not that Satan wants to be better um, that that causes him misery. It's that he's trying to move away from what he is, Mm. which is a – which is – the created glorious angel. And we, we talked a ton about this in our, in our parents' mm-hmm. class because the, the American in you would like to be like, there is no natural hierarchy for me. I can be, I can be the best. Like yeah. I can get, I want to climb the ladder as high as I want to climb. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like we, are, we naturally kind of are repulsed by this idea mm-hmm. that there is a space for you in the created hierarchy where you fit, right. Mm-hmm. Where you are naturally mm-hmm. slotted in. And, as Americans, we want to reject this, but we don't tell me what my, what my place is. This yeah. is why I joke that Milton's very British. He's like everyone has a place in society, and if they know their place, they'll be happy. Yeah. But the thing um, is, we find that this is true. kind of true, right? If you if you are someone who is a natural leader, who has great ideas, who can run a company, and you are stuck doing menial work, you're not going to jive with it. It's not it's not going to stick with you, right? And you will b- work your way higher. And if you work your way to a place where you are not prepared, you do not have the skills, you are not good at leading, you cannot run a company, it's going to be miserable for you. Yeah. If you if you find the spot where you are built for and, and, stay, and, there. and stay there and yeah. are okay with it and don't want to climb the ladder, you can find harmony. And mm-hmm. I've, I've found this to be true in my own life. Like, I'm not sure I want our boss's job. Mm-hmm. Like, the I don't want to be principal necessarily. Yeah. At least not, not in the current situation. Maybe after I have a little more experience under my belt, but but he, built, but he is perfect for that job. He is perfect for that job, right. and I am built for teaching, right? That's And being okay with that yeah. is is a way to find peace. Mm-hmm. And Satan, and this is, I think, why people gravitate towards Satan. There's a whole group of people who are like, they think Satan is the hero of this book. Because he's so romantic in that he's just struggling against the but, man. But that's just a bad reading of this book, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, I think so. They, yeah. They're called Satanists, which is funny because I brought it up. So I was like, I feel like Satan is really inspiring. And I was like, oh, well, you're a Satanist. And they're like, <laughs> oh. But that's that's the name of the crew. And and he seems so romantic, right? He gets tossed yeah. out of heaven and he gathers everyone together. And he's like, we are going to rise from this, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about it. And he goes and he tries to raise himself from where he is and yeah. people find that expire, inspiring but they don't see what happens to satan throughout the book as he sort of rejects his place mm-hmm. and his rejection of his place is what led to his fall in the first place right. if he would have been like okay jesus new guy all right I'll, I'll submit that sounds great and lived there then he may have been happy yeah now um and it's not just in terms of finding your place with your vocation or what you're gifted in right. it's also there is a there is something called a human nature, and if you and if you desire to be higher or lower or something, not even just higher or lower because that's kind of slipping into hierarchy language. If you desire your human nature to, to be, be different. something different, yeah. it's going you there will be discord because you will be um, trying to be something that in an environment. So God created when He created Adam and Eve, He put them in an environment where they can flourish, and that's not just true materially; it's true sort of spiritually and according to their natures. And when they sort of want to deviate from that, it's like they're, they reject their environment. Well, they will feel like their environment is rejecting them because mm-hmm. they're no longer naturally where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing with Satan. So um, harmony comes when you sort of submit to your nature or you live according to the way you were created. And we'll, so we'll talk about that more with Adam and Eve. Next, 
Uh, theological principle number eight, a universe of love needs free will. Um, so, um, the best possible universe for God to have created was one that reflected his personhood. And God's essential, the essential nature of God is one of love. The, the, the sort of central relationship of our created universe is the love between a father and a son. Yeah. That is the, the central relationship of, the, of, of creation. And love, so um, love needs two agents, at least in order to exist. So the Trinity for Milton is kind of built up where God the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and that reciprocal love that sort of is between them that goes back and forth and the back and forth— loop. That feedback loop is the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And it's that Holy Spirit that's kind of like this back and forth feedback loop that emanates out of them that creates the world. Um, So, and this is, we see this in the Nicene Creed, um, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, uh, the Holy Spirit, the bringer of life. So the idea that the Holy Spirit is something that is this thing that brings life from it, from it it centrally. Um, So in order for love to actually exist in the world, there needs to be free will. God in book three says, if I created creatures that had to love me, they are worshiping necessity, not me. So the little thing that I tell my students is that love robots can never love. Uh, and they always gravitate towards that because I draw a little cute, sad love robot. Or maybe it's, I'm not sad. I sort of draw a robot that seems indifferent to all emotion. Um, and this is why I could never get under the Tamagotchi train. You guys remember Tamagotchi? I do remember, I remember Tamagotchi. Yeah. Like these little electronic yeah. pets. I was like, this there's this thing is forced to love me. Yep. Like mm-hmm. I feed it, and then it has this little heart. And I was like, yes, but that's a program. <laughs> I could never. And mine always consistently died because yeah, I was like, was it's problem. a keychain. I'm not going to feed a keychain yeah. and, and they all die. Um, for you younger listeners, you may need to Google that Tamagotchi. But, uh, Tamagotchi. There, there were these big fad way back in the things. '90s. There were these little tiny keychains that had electronic pets in them, and you, you could feed, feed them, and you could like play with them and give them toys. And they were just, I don't know how they sold the idea of a tiny chore that you keep with you. Like, it it's just a chore. And they weren't very fun. Yeah. It was just something you had to feed. Mm-hmm. And But uh, kids went gaga over mm-hmm. them. My sister had like six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that's like a farm. And she killed like five of them. Did she keep any of them alive? Oh, yeah. They all died. Good. Um, so, yeah. So in order for a universe of love to exist, there needs to be free will. And when you have a, a fr- the possibility of free will existing, you have the possibility of deviating or not loving, of choosing something different. So uh, hell has to exist once free will exists. So hell for Milton is not just a place of punishment. Hell is a place of necessity. Uh, as soon as God created Satan with free will, hell had to be an option. And so what I tell my students is um, English class is all there is. This is the created cosmos, and your nature is to be a student, and if, and if you submit to your natures, you're going to love English class. Mm. And if you fight against your natures, you're going to hate English class because you're students, and it's your nature to love class. Uh, and this is all very tongue-in-cheek. Um, <laughs> and then uh, a student says, what if I don't want to be here? My free will. And I say, you're right. If this is everything that's created, there needs to be a place for you to go to exercise your free will to not be part of everything. And that place is called hell. And so, and so I <laughs> say, us, it's like, Ryan Metro's office. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, like, it's what's a, the analogy here? It's, uh, going to, no, it's, it's going to a, a place where you can go and you can exist by yourself, exercising your free will, but you have been removed from all creation, all the order of the universe. You uh, sort of 
opt out of. We have like a little kennel my kids can go. We call it the angry box. Yeah. Like if the kid's like, I want to be here. I'm like, all right, get in the angry box. That's, I'm He's joking. He's joking. It's I just want to be very That's clear. absolutely not true. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, um, anyway, there's a dog dish in there. No, I was kidding. Um, so, uh, so that may, yeah, so hell is a necessary, hell is necessary due to man's agency to choose is one of the lines in our 10th grade catechism we say every day. So, so, Mil, uh, so is he using free will in the sense that we use it today of uh, Calvinism, like the predestination versus free will, so he would reject the idea of predestination? Um, I, I honestly don't know enough about Milton. He I think about, it probably co-exists. I think yes. Okay. I think my, the answer would be yes, because there's a, a section in book three where God talks, he says, I knew everything, but that doesn't mean that I made people choose. Mm. Um, this is a very pro-free will book, that okay. free will oh, okay. is necessary for love, and it is the thing that... that um, Satan has that causes him to fall. Uh, all right, number nine. This is a really good one. Sin causes you to devolve over time. So once you have twisted your good with sin, as it works itself out in a character, it causes you to be less and less and less according to your nature. And Satan doesn't become more and more and more evil and like powerful and powerful and, and he looks like the album cover of a metal band like yeah, it's yeah. it's not hell's not like that satan just kind of becomes more and more and more pathetic and unimpressive and unimpressive and smaller because as satan goes on when he removes himself when he says i don't want to be part of god's universe the only uh, thing that satan has the only thing he can hold on to is his ability to say like f you like that's essentially all satan has is his yeah. ability to um, to Cur- say, I don't want anything. Yeah. And that's a very, very, very small and pathetic thing. And at the beginning, it seems awesome and romantic. Like, here's Satan ripping the system. I'm going to my room! Yeah. Like, and then eventually you learn that your parents are downstairs having pie and they really don't care that you're in yeah. your room. <laughs> and, he, and he thinks he's doing this grand romantic thing. And at the beginning of the book, it seems grand and romantic because Satan himself is kind of... I think there's something scratching around underneath the floor. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Is it? Um, we we'll go get it. Anyway, um, that's exactly what that sounds like. I think it might just be my chair. Oh, oh. good. All right. So Satan, uh, at the beginning of the book, he uh, it seems sort of grand, grand and romantic, but at the end, it's kind of just sad and pathetic. And there's this idea that as sin works itself out through a person's soul. Um, they degrade over time, and really, the only thing that you can ever have is just your willpower that says, "I don't want anything. This, I want to be by myself. I want my own way." Because Satan goes from archangel to general, mm-hmm. like failed general, and then he goes to politician, and then he devolves even further in being like kind of a spy. Mm-hmm. He spies on Adam and Eve, and then he becomes a frog, so yeah. he can talk to her. It's it's really he's a pelican for a while. Yeah, he, he flip-flops in creatures, and he's a little snake, and then he's a frog, and then they catch him, and he has to be like, do you even know who I am? And the patrolling angel's like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> does, he, does he say, I am a general, I am yeah. a politician, well, he, or he just acts like those? Milton, just, he Milton fills Milton those puts, roles. Yeah, Milton puts, sort of puts it in there. Anyway, so sin causes you to evolve over time. This is not just true of Satan. This is true of everybody. Yeah. If, you, um, if you allow your hearts to sort of continue down that path, it'll eat you up over time, and, and you'll sort of— um, yeah, it'll it'll uh, hollow you out. Um, anyway, number ten, there is work to do in Eden. Adam and Eve have a job, so Eden is not just this luxurious lounging around. They have a holy work to do, and the work they're supposed to be doing is um, uh, uh, to turn the earth into a garden. Mm. So um, 
Eden is just a small little, um, almost like a seed. It's a, it's a tiny garden. Um, and the rest of the world is kind of just like this raw material. It's not a wasteland, but it's just kind of this wilderness. Yeah. And, and Milton, ha- yeah, Milton has this idea that like God's mission for human beings were they were to be on earth. They were to reproduce and multiply, and they were to expand the borders of Eden to fill the entire earth. And then when that was done, God was going to dwell with them and they were going to dwell with God and they were going to be like the angels that get to see God face to face. So this was kind of the marching orders. So it wasn't just that Eden was going to be this eternal nothing, a sort of boringness, but they actually have a job to do and there's work to do. And so in our human nature, we have been built to do God's work, holy work. It is part of who we are. Um, uh, when we fall, our work uh, becomes tw- our work can become twisted, and what that's what Milton would call labor, the sweat of the brow, um, and, and then also the, you know the curse of Genesis, um, the two things that help us create the garden, um, filling the earth and subduing it. So having children and also doing work and producing fruits, those become painful and toilful, toilsome. Um, but the unfallen man, it was supposed to be joyful and uh, and, and glorious. Do Adam and Eve experience that? Yeah, they seem to have a good time. They do. Now, Adam and Eve do. Eve does not experience uh, easy childbirth because she has a fall before she's she's pregnant. But Adam works the land. But Adam works the land, and it's easy. And doesn't Raphael come to visit? And they kind of hang out and have good food, and and everything's everything's dandy. The Mm -hmm. angels come say hi every now and again. And there's work to do, and they have to like organize their time well. But it's also uh, uh, joyful work and enjoyable work. It's kind of like, you know, when you get into that work that you were really enjoying and you're kind of in the pocket and you're, what's that, like, people call it? Like, flow, flow. Right? There you flow. go. When you're in that, that's supposed to be what you were made for. God made you that way. All right. That's number 10. Okay. Number 11 is where we're getting into this uh, nature. So Adam and Eve have a nature. And Adam and Eve almost have a nature that is specific to them themselves. Um, so they have a human nature. They're both made in God's image. They, um, uh, they reflect God in different ways, but they reflect them in, in different ways. And the one way that Adam reflects it, uh, Milton just calls it a masculine reflection. And the way that Eve reflects it, he reflect, reflects God in this sort of feminine way. So there are these almost like two different expressions of reflecting God that are in Adam and Eve. So for Adam, his reflection um, is that he loves understanding and organizing and, uh, and, and bringing kind of like order to his thoughts. So the one thing that Adam is completely obsessed with is understanding the stars. This mm-hmm. is kind of the symbol of this. The first thing Adam sees when he's created is he opens his eyes and he sees the sun and he is enamored with understanding it. When Raphael comes down and says, Adam, careful, there's a Satan is in your garden wanting to kill you. Raphael's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Adam's like, yeah, 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 yeah. What are stars made of? <laughs> Raphael's like, okay, I'm not going to tell you because uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is there's a devil in your garden. And then Adam's like, do angels eat? And he's like, okay, listen, there is a devil in your garden. So, That's a really weird conversation. So Adam, But Adam is just, he wants to know everything. And... Um, and there's an, a specific action that Adam can do that – so you, Adam has a knowledge. He wants to know and understand and bring order to the world through his, under, through his brain, through his understanding. And he has a specific action that God tells him to do that is a reflection of this nature, and it's to name things. 
So when God creates something, he dips into chaos, which is for Milton, a big pool of raw, raw materials. Mm-hmm. And he takes those raw materials and he forms them and he puts them in the world in creation. So ex nihilo, he creates it out of nothing. Adam kind of does the same thing with God. Not that he makes something, but that he brings organization to something by giving it a name. So by naming it, Adam is doing uh, Adam is doing like a little um, like pastiche or a little uh, action. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a little um, collage? No, no, like a little um, uh, play of what God is doing. So God's doing the real thing, and Adam's kind of like doing that in microcosm. Yeah. So like when a little kid is playing house to to imitate what their mom is doing, that's kind of what Adam is doing when he's naming something. Mm-hmm. He's partaking in God's nature. He's reflecting God's nature through his action of naming something. And this is a, a something that is particular to Adam. So he reflects God's sort of ordered, his uh, God's r- abundance and God's ability to organize and make something, create something. Eve has a slightly different nature. She reflects God in that... Um, she has a presence about her that Adam does not have. So she has like a scaled down version of God's holy presence. Mm -hmm. The thing that terrifies Isaiah in the temple, the thing that, um, uh, you know, causes Moses's face to shine when he sees God. Eve has a version of that. When Satan sees Eve for the first time, it reminds him of God's presence in microcosm and he gets kind of bashful, mm. and he and he misses heaven. So Eve has this presence about her. Yeah, Satan has these moments where he kind of has like, isn't it like he has mm-hmm. pangs of regret? Yeah. And but he doesn't do anything he, with those. Well, he and he would never let the other demons know see it. Yeah. Right, know that he was having these problems. Mm. So Eve has this presence huh. about her, and students are just like, so does that just mean that Eve's hot? And it's like it's not because when he talks about it, it's beauty, but it's not just beauty. It's almost like. If you were in the presence of a queen who was grave and terrible, using the old word of terrible, and glorious and majestic, that's kind of what Eve has. Galadriel. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, we— for, the, for those who don't Lord know, of the Rings. Yeah. that's uh, one of the elf queens in Lord of the Rings. So there's something that we really need to undo when we read Milton, and that's the idea that sort of Adam and Eve in their sort of naked glory— They're not just like two crazy kids who are making their way in the world and they're just these like little tribal innocents. They're not naive. Yeah, that was one of the biggest criticisms that Milton took was that people, Adam and Eve weren't really how everyone wanted them to be, which was like these new wonderful children. They're not. They do jobs. They have stuff. Adam is wise in some ways. They rule like kings and queens. So if you've ever read uh, The Magician's Nephew, when the first king and queen of Narnia get crowned, and they, they have this change where they have this sort of regal royal presence. That's what Adam and Eve are like. They're not just these innocent kids making their way in this new garden, trying to figure stuff out. They have a gravity. Yeah. Uh, the word that um, Milton uses a lot is they have a solemnity about them. There's, a, there's, a, uh, there's like a solemn presence to them. And, and if, he, mm-hmm. if uh, Adam had really truly fulfilled the role that he was meant to fulfill— we would still be in Eden and we could still go visit Adam. He mm-hmm. would have been ruling since the beginning mm-hmm. of the world up till now. So imagine Adam as you would the eternal king of the world that has been alive since the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how Adam should be, right? That's Adam in his mm-hmm. fruition. Now, Eve has an action that goes about with her presence of her reflecting God's sort of beauty and presence. Um, one of the things that really bothers Satan is that God can take the badness 
of what Satan does and God can improve upon it. God can take <laughs> broken things and make them more beautiful. And there's this idea that even before the fall, one of God's essential actions is that he can take things and improve upon them. He can take matter and bring it into form and make something more beautiful. And Eve does the same thing. Her job is to take what is in creation and amplify it and beautify it. Um, so she arranges flowers and... Yeah, so some of the actions are she trims. arranges flowers. Everywhere that she goes, behind her, everything is kind of beautified. Mm. Um, you know, she sort of tied the little heads of drooping flowers up. Um, and wherever she goes, she leaves this more order. So Adam can understand things and Eve is amplifying things. Um, and then together, um, they they amplify each other's nature. So Adam, his nature gets... Amp- he wants to know things... And he, by knowing Eve, um, um, sort of gets to know something more. He gets to know a person. He gets to he gets to love somebody, and by loving, he gets to know her. And he loves that because he loves understanding things. Eve, whose nature is to make things better, she can take what Adam can give her, and she can make something better—a child. So her ability to be a mother is um, uh, the same kind of action of what God does when he creates. So Adam can bring order with his understanding. Eve can bring abundance with her bearing of a child. So those are their natures. Um, Number 12 is that Adam and Eve fall according to their natures. So they don't just fall because they're tricked. They do get tricked. But Satan specifically targets Eve's nature of wanting to make things more beautiful causing her to fall. He essentially says, and we're just going to go through this a little pretty quickly uh, because we'll have to read all of book nine to get it. But he essentially says, if you want to make things better faster, don't you want to do that? And he's like, yeah, of course. He says, you should eat this fruit. It'll get you there. Mm. Like this fruit is going to make you a God. Um, Your job is to, is to make things more beautiful. He appeals to her wanting to make things better um, with, um, with eating the fruit and Eve sort of naively says uh, she, she, she believes his lies and eats it. Well, isn't it sort of implied that if, if man lives long enough and works long enough at this, he will sort of level up into angelhood and kind of well, become that, yeah. celestial? When they, when they turn the world into a garden, um, they will then become they, – they will have finished their job and they'll be able to be with God. Right. So they, they will kind of level up. And what Satan says to Eve is he says, look, I was a lowly snake. Mm-hmm. I ate this apple. And look, I can wow. talk. Mm-hmm. I have leveled up. Yeah. Think about what would happen if you ate this apple. Well, you will – heck, you'd be like the angels, you'd right? You'd be a god and then you would – and that's what you're supposed to do. Like, and you know what? This is God's plan all along. He put this wow. here hoping you'd find it and you found it and now you can improve. And she's yeah. like, oh, okay, why don't you say so? And then she eats it. So he, yeah, he, he's real wily in the way that he explains yeah. his speaking and mm-hmm. all of the things like that. And he just tempts her with, you know, the fruit that levels you up, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the level. So Eve was tricked. Now, she comes to Adam with the fruit, and she's fallen, and she has this whole um, part where she's trying to figure out whether or not she should cause, cause Adam to fall or not. And then she decides that she's going to. Adam sees Eve and immediately knows that she has fallen. How? Um, because she's changed okay. and she's holding the fruit and she's like, eat this. And so, <laughs> so it's a pretty, it's okay, a good that, yeah. it. um, <laughs> So Adam is not tricked. He reasons to himself and he says, I'm going to eat this fruit because if I don't, Eve is going to be dead, whatever that means. He doesn't know what that means. And he says, but that means she's probably going to be gone and I won't get the ability to, to know her forever. And there's, wow. so by knowing her, I mean, so 
knowing also in the Old Testament also is also talking about like a sexual uh, right. congress. There's that kind of knowing that comes with that in- level of intimacy that Adam doesn't have with anything else. Um, he can't. It's really romantic, kind of. He no. says, he pretty much says, "I can't live without her." Yeah, but and, it's also pathetic. Yeah, because it's. Um, um, and so he says, if I don't have her, I'm going to go back to this level of not knowing and be lonely again where my only best friend was a dog or whatever. Um, and so he says, I choose to fall so that I can stay with her. So Satan doesn't have to tempt Adam? Satan does not have to tempt Adam. And so, um, there, so the, there's mm-hmm. a word that C.S. Lewis uses for this. It's uxoriousness, which mm-hmm. means like overly and and pathetically deferential to mm-hmm. one's wife. Mm-hmm. His sin is not that he's tempted by pride or anything like that. It's because he is too much into Eve. Mm-hmm. Well. And um, yeah, so he he says that if I, if I don't have her, I will sort of go down in my ability to know and love, and that sucks, and so I'm not going to do that. Um, later on, God, it, it's sort of implied through the whole story that the reason... That what Adam should have done is when he knew that Eve had fallen, he was supposed to have done what God would have done. Now, God shows his authority through serving his creation and sacrificing himself for his creation. This is what heavenly authority is. And so what Adam was supposed to have done was he was supposed to go to God and say, Eve ate the fruit, don't let her die, have Mm. it fall on me, an innocent. And he doesn't, and so God says, all right, I'm going to do it. And so he comes down as Jesus and he does it. Um, I, I got two more principles that um, are a little still more, a little complicated still. How are we doing on a... We're doing okay on time. Uh, right. We might have to hustle on that last bit. Sure. All Just, right. So the uh, last two principles. Yeah. Um, God's relationship to creation is a parallel rela- structure to God, Adam's relationship with Eve. Um, so God is king. and But as a king, his true authority is in service and sacrifice. Satan thinks God is king and his authority is like... Stomping on everybody. Stomping on everybody, king of the hill. Yeah. Um, Pre-lapsarian Adam. Adam, before he falls, has the same relationship with Eve. So Eve is the mother of creation. Eve, like Earth, can create more of itself in life. She creates children. She she brings forth this kind of life. Just like Earth created the moon. Just like... Wait, what? Wait, sorry, one more time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, Wait, um, English teacher. I don't have to know these things. So Adam... What are stars? So there, I don't know. So there is language, and, and that kind of rubs students the wrong way, where Adam um, says that uh, sort of he's the head of the family and Eve does submit to her. There's language there, and students are like, Donaldson, explain that. Because um, it's a little bit uncomfortable, and it does seem a little patriarchal in the way that it's written, maybe to modern ears. And they're already struggling with having to stay in the oh, hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but the way that Milton portrays it is that Adam is not some like grand glorious king that everyone kisses his feet, but that he kind of has this relationship of servility, of service and sacrifice. Um, he venerates and loves Eve the way that God loves his creation. And he sacrifices himself for Eve. And then Eve um, loves Adam. And because Adam perfectly loves Eve, she can submit to Adam's rule and authority in love. It's the same kind of love relationship between the father and the mm. son. And if you remember from talking about the Trinity, that love that goes back and forth between father and son is the force of creation. It is the love that creates life. And so this perfect marriage between Adam and Eve, where he lays himself down for Eve and she loves him and she takes the love from him, she can make more life. 
And it gets a little PG-13, right? Because now, because, uh, but it's true. They're married. So, they're, yeah. so she can take the love from Adam and then from her comes more life, babies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of supposed to be this beautiful picture of of the way that love is is the central ruling authority of the universe. So it's not that Eve is is subservient to Adam and everything he says goes. That does happen after the fall. Mm. When the fall happens, this beautiful picture of love and marriage gets twisted. And we get this picture of a marriage that maybe we are familiar with in our fallen world of Adam is force and power and talks down to Eve and demands that Eve obeys his word. And Eve does obey it in in word, but then she's always subtly working to undermine his authority and power. And they bicker, and they sound like angry, tired parents on a road trip. Mm. And it's very sad. And it's uh, you can feel there's a change in the tone of the yep. book. I mean, immediately after the fall, and again, this is a little bit PG-13, but Adam, Adam is like, oh my gosh, now that I've fallen, I've never been more, I think the word is gamesome, than yes. I have previous. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a little randy, right. and I, I think it's time. And then they, for the first time, as a fallen couple, you know, have have Congress, and it is... One is, where they're wanting to take pleasure from each other. It's right, not exactly. one of wow. serving it's, it's each selfish. other. It's one where they just want what they want. Right. Adam, Both of them. Adam wants pleasure and she also wants a thing and it is dirty it's, and afterwards they feel gross. Yeah. And, and you feel gross reading and it. And you feel gross reading it. And, and so then, this change happens almost instantly. And then they just fight. Is this all book nine? This is, uh, yeah, book nine, ten. Okay. That's book ten, okay. I think. And, th- and they bicker and fight and they blame each other and she undermines Adam's authority and he lords it over her mm. in a very cruel way. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and um, and it's like a twisted version of the marriage of how it's supposed to be, and then um, yeah. So the, and so in that is kind of the last the last um, um, principle, which is that the response to heavenly authority is love and submission. And so um, Eve's submission to Adam is not something that um, is is uh, embarrassing to her. In fact, it fulfills her nature because she says to Adam. I get to love God and I get to love Adam. And when you love, you are also yourself amplified and made more beautiful. So it's kind of this truth of the universe that when you love, you become more lovely. And so Eve realizes that when she has more things to love, God and Adam, she can be more lovely because she can love more. Um, And so... um, Adam gets to sort of practice being authoritative in the way he's supposed to, submission and sacrifice. And Eve gets to practice being uh, more lovely, not because she's loved and adored, but because she has more to love. And so it's, it's, it's this really beautiful yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, sort of example of what marriage and love is supposed to look like. And makes it all the more tragic when they fall because it becomes something that we as fallen people recognize. Um, and this is why we have lots of trouble with passages mm-hmm. like husbands submit to your wives as to the Lord mm-hmm. because we've seen such bad examples of that. Yeah. But the theology, the, the prelapsarian reasoning behind that is because it is our nature to love and be loved and we are made more lovely as we love. And... Um, Anyway, so th- those are the, the, the 14 principles that Do, I give the kids. So can we, have, can we have a really fast 1 to 14, yeah. just read through them and recap? All creation is good. Number two, sin is twisted good. Number three, evil needs good, but good can exist on its own. 
Number four, God foreknew the fall would happen. Number five, Satan fell because of pride. Number six, creation is a crescendo. Number seven, there are two kinds of hierarchy, a heavenly hierarchy and a hellish hierarchy. Number eight, a universe of love needs free will. Number nine, sin causes you to devolve. Number 10, there is work to do in Eden. Number 11, Adam and Eve have specific natures. Number 12, they fall according to their natures. Number 13, God's relationship to his creation parallels Adam's relationship to Eve. Number 14, um, we respond to heavenly authority in love and submission. So those are them. That's great. And there's also real cool things like um, um, Eve's pain in childbirth where she can now give children directly so if eve is associated with jesus in the god in the father-son relationship eve's pain in childbirth that brings new life can mirror and represents god's death on the cross that brings new life and so you have these sorts of things where eve is strongly associated with christ and you have these things where adam is is associated uh with god the and father. then when he falls um he is almost like um, um he needs this the the uh the child of eve to save him uh, yeah, it's great. It's good stuff. There's some there's some other weird things in the in the book that I don't really know how they fit in. Aren't the angels made of aether? Isn't that the deal? Yeah, so Was angels, this still in the pre- angels aren't made of meat. They're, angels are made of of a heavenly substance yeah. called ether. That's like a that's a med- medieval yeah. thing though. And this is was, was it written during the time when they still believed aether was outside the air? Are we yeah, still in yeah. uh, out in mm-hmm. space? Isn't that? Um, geocentrism. Yeah. yeah, so this was a substance we didn't have any any actual experience of, but they yeah. believed hung out right outside the air and the fire. Yeah. And he has the angels made of it, and it's kind of like this heavenly jello mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. where, it, you know, it can be fixed, but it's... And it can be, it can be changed, and it can, can be changed. And it can, yeah, it can, like, grow and shrink. The devils can... They, they build this giant temple, and then they all shrink their size huh. down to, like, four inches tall, so they can all fit in there during the council. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... It's it's kind of fun. There's some wacky stuff. This whole conversation makes me want to pick up the book. Excellent, go for it. Okay, it's, should I? Yeah. Now you'll love you, it. You, you, you try to talk me out of it at the beginning of this, and it'll it's a be slog. It's, yeah. it's it'll be hard. It's a hard book. Like you will, uh, I I did it by reading a book a day, right? So did the twelve books. I had to get it done. That was probably too much. I think half a half a book a day is probably better. It's some digressions. So he says, um, Satan arose from the fire. Like this. Actually, no, it was more like this. No, it was more like this. No, you know, did you ever see a Norwegian fisherman taking his boat, blah, 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 blah? More That's like that. what he yeah. looked like. Good. And then he continues on with the story. Right. But there's some really good things like the mind is its own place and can make uh, heaven out of hell and a hell out of heaven. Um, Lies. What about the I'd rather yeah. rule in hell than that's an, that's there too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the, that's, that's uh, it's all real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a Satan's got book. some great speeches. And they see, like we said earlier, they seem romantic. But when you really scratch below the surface... At the end of the day, the only thing that the heart that rebels against God can can have is willpower, and it is a lonely existence if all you mm-hmm. care about is self. And yeah. that's kind of one of the big points of the book. And isn't this book where we get a lot of our modern-day images of what the devils look like? Is that true, or is it a different one? Um, Do they describe them? They look like lobsters at the end. Yeah, clack, clack, clack. Clack, clack, clack. And at one point, Satan devolves into a snake and tries to give this big, grand speech. He's like, and listen to me, brethren. And it just kind of goes, yeah. <laughs> he just kind of hisses. It's really embarrassing. The way you just feel embarrassed for him. Because wasn't it that God said one one year, one day every year, you guys will all be snakes for the whole day? Um, it's a little bit different. Uh, they, are, <laughs> they are turned into like pathetic little creatures. And one day they get turned back into their glorious angels to remember oh, what it was like. Wow. And oh. then they get turned back into snakes. So they, it's not a day as a snake. And it's I like you guys think, get... 
And I think that day was Christmas. So on Christmas, oh. they get to turn back to what they used to be like, and then they go back to, oh, wow. yeah. My uh, grandpa's that same way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is, and hell is on fire in Paradise Lost, or it is. They I land mean, in a lake of fire, there, and then there's, there's fire. There's cold. There's and... cold places. Think of it like Dante's hell before it got like built up. So it was like you know when you there's play... only one level instead of multiple levels. Like you're saying, yeah, yeah well, you can it's, travel. It's, it's just um, it's like raw material. So it's like when you first start. Uh, a game of Civilization uh-huh. Five, yeah, yeah. and the map is There's completely not, yep, empty. That's exactly right. Versus at the end of the game, when the map is fully colonized, <laughs> that's Dante's hell. And wasn't oh, yeah. it? If I'm remembering, it might be a different myth that I'm remembering. But didn't they? Wouldn't they like hang out in the fire until they couldn't stand it anymore? And then they jump into the cold to kind of give them some relief until they couldn't stand it anymore. Oh, and they what, I don't know about that one. I think that was Milton. I could also be thinking of Norse myths that I, that I read. I'm not sure. Anything, anything else? That's it. That's, yeah, those that was, are my theological really principles. Yeah, that really does make me want to pick up Paradise Lost uh, and then stop reading it halfway through book one. Is that how that will probably go? you got to read about Abdiel. Okay. How far into the book is that? Mm, book six. Okay, so it'll take a little while to get there. Yeah. But We'll just like read book one and two and then jump to Abdiel. Okay. And then the go back. Yeah. yeah. This is like, it's like with the Star Wars movies where you're not supposed to actually start with episode <laughs> one. You're supposed to start with episode four. I think we're on to something here. So in spirit of classical stuff we got wrong... Catherine Ball, longtime listener of the podcast, sent another one. Second time corrector, yeah. Yeah, that I have gotten wrong, and that is um, uh, the the singular of horse in French is cheval. The plural of horse is, oh gosh. um, Chevaux? Chevaux. And cheveux is hair. (laughs) So one horse is cheval, not one horse is cheveux. So So, chevalier is... Horse guy. A horse person. Yes. Sorry, is this a correction of a correction? Ah, I guess. Yes, yeah, it, I is. Well, it is. Okay. Yeah. This, so, so classical stuff we got really wrong. wrong. Yeah. Real wrong. What's, what scares me is that in our next episode, I'll be uh, referencing a French thing once, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think I'm going to find out the correct pronunciation after we record. You are it. definitely yeah, going sure. to. Yep. Um, anything else? Um, uh, commonplace quotes. Anything else from you? Got one, Donaldson? Oh, we we had one. Let's. Um, let me. Um, I will read you one. This is you? God in Book Three of Paradise Lost. This is him talking about. Um, um, what God says, well, when, when mankind is going to fall, God sort of tells everybody in heaven that everything's going to be okay. And this is where he says that he is going to give all of human beings a conscience that even though later on he's going to say that he's going to give the Holy Spirit to the believers to help um, them in their life in the church. But even, he says, but to all fallen men, I'm going to give them a conscience that is going to, that they can use to help them ease the pain of their fallen nature. And this is what he says. For I will clear their senses dark, what may suffice, and soften stony hearts to pray, repent, and bring obedience due. To prayer, repentance, and obedience due, though but endeavored with sincere intent, mine ear shall not be slow, mine eye not shut. And I will place within them as a guide my umpire conscience, whom, if they will hear, light after light, well used, they shall attain." And to the end, persisting, safe arrive. Great. Hmm. All right. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I don't know. It's always such a pleasure to come together and have these conversations. But I'm just very, um, I'm humbled that people actually like take the time to listen to this. Uh, If you're like me, you listen to this at two times speed. So maybe consider that. I don't know. Is that a thing? Does anyone else do that? I don't because it makes me sound like a chipmunk. So, but what's funny is that once you get used to listening at two times speed and then you reduce it back to one time speed, everyone sounds like... uh, Barry White. Yeah, there you go. Or like they're on (laughs) drugs or something. They're just kind of like, yeah, man, like, what do you think? Anyway, um, if 
if you have any ideas for topics, if you have any questions, um, if you drew a picture and you want to send it in, uh, please send that to classical stuff at veritasacademy.net. If you have a correction to make, um, just just hold on to that. Yeah, Delta Catherine, and then she'll yeah, tell Delta us. Delta Catherine, um, she'll deliver it sweetly. <laughs> that's good. But uh, until next time, uh, this is Thomas Graham and AJ signing off. Signing Bye. off.